G'day, good evening and welcome to Dog Talk. I'm Dan Camilleri. And I'm Laura McKillop. We'd like to start by thanking Enduro for their ongoing support in bringing you our weekly live Q&A. Tonight we're fortunate enough to be speaking with Fred and Catherine Raines from Lockerbie Working Dogs. Fred and Catherine will be picking who they think is asked the best question of the night and they will be in a bag of Enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Hey guys, how are you going? Yeah, yeah good. good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Settling in uh, on a cold night down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two out, well, three kids are asleep, so let's hope it stays that way. <laughs> we, we got one hanging on down the bottom there trying to fall asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Well, he's back asleep, but, you know, he likes to throw a limb out every now and then, so we'll just see how that goes. <laughs> so, so besides the three kids, what kept you busy today? Uh, well, I'm uh, getting ready for shearing and scanning as well, uh, scanning ears as well. So, yeah, just getting sheep up and organised and prepping the shed and, yeah, um, uh, processing a few um, ewes as well just to try and cut down the workload while we're going. But, yeah, so it's been our day pretty much, yeah. I've got uh, school holidays, so yay. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah. who's the busy one at the moment? And <laughs> who's the one nearly? Oh well, it's like that, isn't it? It's, it's bloody full on. One long adventure, Dan. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, you're both doing some wrestling. That's it. That's it. So um, we'll jump into it. There. Do you want to introduce yourselves? Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Sure. You want to go first? Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, Fred Rains. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, look, I um, uh, I live on a I manage a property just out from Cootamundra, uh, mixed farming enterprise. Um, yeah, look, uh, I've been been on the land since I was seventeen. Um, uh, used working dogs right from then. I had one of the first guys I worked for had very good dogs, so I sort of got a good foundation um, in it right from the start and seeing what they were capable of. Um, yeah, and I've sort of, uh, yeah, been a, worked as a jackaroo and sort of a, a livestock manager and then uh, I'm sort of now uh, in a full manager's role here at uh, the Properties Brawl in Springs. Um, yeah, so I uh, don't know what else to tell you really. <laughs> Nah, beautiful. And at 17, mate, did you grow up on the land or was there a, was an aspiration to be there? Um, yeah, look, my my dad, had um, he'd been out on stations and um, like he'd worked in the Northern Territory, Queensland. He was a head stockman um, and uh, that was sort of before I was born. But then he was doing a lot of um, contract work, like a casual farm work when I was a kid. And, um, and then mum and dad broke up when I was pretty young, but uh, around 11, but, um, yeah, uh, I've sort of always enjoyed the stories he told about being on the land and, um, yeah. And then I, I did, I actually went into town with mum, um, only a small town, Wilmington in South Australia and, um, went to school from there. But, um, uh, yeah, I ended up, yeah, getting a job with a large company in the southeast and yeah started jackarooing when i was 17 so 
um, end up cutting it. But yeah, we sort of always had a love for the land and yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and always in New South, well, obviously you grew up in South Australia, but always in New South Wales working around or have you travelled around? No, look, I was in South Australia till I was about 33, actually. I worked down in the southeast. Uh, I worked for Water Valley Pastoral for a long time. Um, I did have one year out of it, but I was with Water Valley, Water Valley Pastoral for 15 years. I sort of worked my way up through the ranks within that company. Um, and then, uh, when was it, 2014, 13, 2000? They moved. Yeah. Two th- so we moved to New South Wales, 2014. Yeah, yeah 2014, we moved to New South Wales and took a job at um, near Gundagai on a property called uh, Kangaroo Mountain. And, um, yeah, we just we were looking for a bit of a change. And, um, yeah, I managed there for a couple of years and then um, worked on another property at Bowning for the Kelly family and then uh, for another couple of years and then ended up uh, getting a job as a livestock manager to start with with um, Romani Pastoral Company um, um, so that their main property is at Harden. But, yeah, we're on the... Uh, Brawl and Springs, the block over near um, Cootamundra. And, uh, yeah, sort of been here ever since. I think we came here in about 2017, was it? Or 2017, I think. 2018. Five years. Five years, yeah. Five years and a couple of days. (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's it. And, Catherine, what about about yourself? Obviously, uh, you're in the deep end now with... um, on the property, a mother, you got the dogs around, you're not just babysitting kids, or that's not babysitting, they're your own, I get in trouble for saying that, but <laughs> you got young dogs around as well. Yeah. How'd that yeah. come to be? Uh, well, actually, I grew up in Melbourne and um, I, um, uh, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a vet. And then when I went to uni, I didn't really work very hard <laughs> in the first year. <laughs> So, because to do that, you have to do first year science and um, I didn't work very hard. So anyway, I did a zoology degree instead and uh, I did sort of animal behaviour was um, part of that and I actually thought uh, I was quite interested in that. Um, And so then when I finished uh, my bachelor, I I wanted to do more stuff with behaviour, but I really wanted to do dogs um predominantly and that wasn't really I couldn't see that as an option at uni at the time and so I just uh went and did a course with the National Dog Trainers Federation and uh, started training dogs and um uh, I trained for them I uh was there ran their course because they run a course for dog trainers I ran their course for a couple of years um worked for a company that was associated with them trained dogs at kennels had my own business doing private lessons and um, puppy schools and that sort of stuff. Um, I used to do a lot of behaviour consults. That was um, a lot of my um, business was was either young dogs, puppies and young dogs, or dogs with issues, which was the main sort of thing in my own business. Um, and then I was getting a bit, it was all getting a bit stagnant, a bit, um, you know, the same time. So I went back to uni and I did a Master of Animal Science, so um, which was like a coursework master's, so you did coursework stuff as well as um, a research project. 
so whenever I could, I focused stuff, my assignments and that sort of thing on dogs. Um, I do know a bit more about pigs and um, chickens than I <laughs> ever thought I would. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we did a bit of sheep. and But, yeah, pigs and chickens I think we did the most um, sort of stuff on. Um, and then I went on and started a PhD. Um, I, have, I didn't finish. Uh, I was a couple of years in and then, you know, moved to the country and, you know, gained 10 or so Kelpies and (laughs) (laughs) I actually bought my dogs off Fred while I was still in Melbourne and still had my own business and stuff like that. And then, yeah, and now I I would say that when I was in Melbourne, my dogs got more time on sheep than they do now (laughs) because I've got three kids and I don't get out there very often at all. So, so it wasn't flowers that got you over the line, it was Kelpies. Yeah, well, he got them back, you know. Like, <laughs> got a lot of litters out of Storm. We, I bought Storm and then, you know, we bred a lot of litters from Storm. So, <laughs> so is that how you guys met? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah through dogs. Yeah. And, and obviously you were in Melbourne then and yeah. doing like your behaviour stuff and whatnot, coming out and spending time on stock with yeah. – with Fred and, and whatnot there? Yeah. And, and what was the attraction there with the, not with Fred, <laughs> with, with the dogs, with the working dogs? Um, we won't get into that. We'll keep it PG. <laughs> um, with, with the working dogs compared to the behaviour behavior consults you're having? Um, look, I, I guess I got into it um, mainly because when I, you know, so I bought Trigger and then I bought Storm. And Storm, like, right from when I first had her out, you know, she was always working the other dogs. And, I'm, and you know, I had friends that did, um, uh, you know, herding and that sort of thing. And they're like, oh, you know, you should get her into it. And, I'll, you know, so, oh, oh yeah, get into that. Because um, I used to, like, I competed with the dogs in agility and obedience and that sort of thing. But I thought, oh, yeah, we'll give that a go um, because Storm was really strongly into it. And that's sort of, I guess that's sort of how I kind of got got going and then going out on the farm I think um the big the biggest difference I think is obviously the stock and you can you can train dogs and you can have you know them really working with you really well but when you in that when you add in that element of stock it's a whole different ball game because you obviously you can't train them you can't train yeah. the sheep. If you could just do this so that I can train the dog to do this, that would be really handy. You know, there's, there's none of that. So that was the biggest difference. But then, which has obviously made it harder, but I also really, it's a different challenge, isn't it? You know, it was made it more interesting, I think. So, Absolutely. yeah. I'm saying that, I sent a video of a lamb the other day that healed better than any of my dogs. So I was a bit jealous yeah. of that particular <laughs> lamb. <laughs> And, nice. and just to touch on your behaviour stuff there, you mentioned like puppy stuff and then issues. Did, did you find a lot of like issues um, arose from your client base because they weren't rectified as pups? Um, yeah, I, th- I guess, you know, that that early, like a lot of people aren't aware of, you know, socialisation and um, that, that sort of importance of that. Um, when they're pups and then 
you know, I mean, your young dog issues, you're going to get your young dog's issues anyway, you know. Like people would yeah. call up and say, oh, I've got the dog's doing this, 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 and this, and I'd be like, so it's about eight months then? And they're like, oh, how yeah, do you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> because that's just what they're like. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I guess, you know, um, probably a lot of human management not knowing what they're doing just – I mean, you know, if everyone knew what they were doing, I wouldn't have had a job. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I did had a lot of dog, like dogs with dog issues. Um, and yeah. I had a great dog of my own, Kayla, who um, she was very, very well trained and she was really good on the job. And so I could use her because obviously the issue when you're working with dogs that have issues with other dogs is having a controlled other dog to be able to, you know, work with thresholds and that sort of thing. And so yeah. she was really, um, I couldn't have done it without her. And when she, she died, um, she was only eight and I was kind of a bit lost for all my dog to dog stuff. Cause I'm like, mm, now we kind of have to use people that are out walking and it just was nowhere near as, you know, clear yeah. for the dogs yeah. and for the people and everything. Cause they could also, you know, a lot of the stuff, particularly with dogs uh, with issues with with dogs or well even when they've got issues with people too is the owners lacking the confidence and so the dogs just feeding off that you know so yeah. by having a dog that they trusted that wasn't going to move they could be more confident and then their dog could could you know feed off that confidence yeah, and it's sort yeah, of absolutely. you know I used to just tell them, you know, you can be inwardly terrified, but you have to be outwardly confident with what <laughs> you need to lie to your dog and tell them that you're confident, you know? <laughs> so, absolutely. Yeah. And are you still doing any of that now or just sort of your own dogs at home? Just training yeah, kids just, now. Yeah. yeah, it's just the kids, man. It's, <laughs> it's all kids. It's preschool, um, isn't it? I, look, I think, some, I think about doing it and then. Um, you know, I remember what it's like to have clients. <laughs> and, um, you know, because dog compliance is pretty good, but owner compliance is pretty bad. And it could be um, challenging at times. It really can be, yeah. yeah. And um, like you know, when uh, um, when you know Fred and I, and I wrapped up the, I was ready to, uh, you know, at the time I was just as a you know, I mean, I went back to uni because it was all getting a bit the same, and I was just getting. You know, people like it's great that people will pay you to tell them how to train their dogs, but if they don't do any work, it's like beating yeah. your head against a brick wall. And it's just, you know, um, I had this phase where I thought maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. None of these dogs are getting any better. And then I had a client that actually did what I said, and the dog got remarkably better. And I'm like, thank you very much because I feel a lot better. <laughs> you need a bit of confidence back. <laughs> yeah, I did. I was yeah. starting to think. Maybe. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's, you know, like, I mean, it's like with anything, people think, you know, I'll, I'll just pay for the dog trainer to come and it'll miraculously fix my dog. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm a culprit. I go to the physio and then I don't do my exercises and yeah. <laughs> I have to go yeah. back. So, you know. Well, it's needless to say that any pup that leaves your camp has had a good start to life uh, and as well yeah. socialised. With dogs and kids too. Yeah, and that's really important. I th you think, you know, we've got a lot of dogs and we don't always have a lot of time, but I always make sure that our pups 
and our young dogs get a lot of get that real socialization and handling and all of that sort of stuff and so then it's not so bad if they don't get a lot of time for a little bit because you know they've had that early good exposure and that um you can sort of i think it's easier to get them back to to doing what you need them Hopefully. to do yeah. yeah so once you're in a bike like you come back years later and you kind of get the idea and get back on it right if yeah, you never got yeah. on it to start with well you're starting from scratch again yeah 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 that's it so do you remember your first dog there fred my first dog uh my first uh working dog was called trigger actually and um <laughs> was that one he you was... inherited from our wife or no, no, no. It was a pure coincidence. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. that his first dog was Trigger. Yeah. <laughs> and he um he was pretty ordinary actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was a pretty rough start to the whole working dog thing. <laughs> we didn't get along real well, but um uh yeah, at, uh, that was the first one. But then yeah, I uh went on from there. I had another dog called Skip, I think was the next one. And um I'd spent a fair bit of time with my boss uh, at the time who was good with dogs. We spent a fair bit of time together with him and, yeah, he came up reasonable. I thought he was a superstar at the time, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah as your expectations grow more. <laughs> yeah. and, and always Kelpies? Uh, no, I've, I've had a few Collies as well. Um, yeah, I, one of my... One of the dogs I first started yard dog trialing with was a collie, um, and he wasn't too bad. He, uh, I, like he, he made it into the open arena, and he didn't win too many when he was in there. But he was, he often made finals and whatnot. But he was, he handy enough. Um, yeah. Only Kelpies recently. Though. Yeah, only Kelpies recently. Though, yeah. We talk and about. We talk, well, we used to talk about it occasionally. And then we thought, let's just co concentrate on what we've got for now. <laughs> Branch out later when the kids have moved out, maybe. <laughs> and is there a uh, preference on the type of style of dog that you like, having your care? Yeah, look, I, I've always sort of, um, I'm, not always, but I, I, in dealing with a lot of dogs over the years and having to do a lot of stock work, I've always... Um, lent towards the uh, busier type of dog like a, a a dog i always sort of thought that you could um you can slow a fast dog down but you can't speed a, a lazy dog up yeah and so i've always looked for your more practical dogs like always uh, plenty of eye cover that sort of thing but maybe a, a bit busier um a bit busier a bit stronger um yeah, just uh, just for that sort of practical work, um, being able to shift over to cattle, being able to work in the yards. Um, often the type of dog that we've bred have been dogs that we've had to, they've had the ability in the paddock to cover and hold, but have always um, uh, been inside the flight zone a fair bit. So, um, yeah, training they need a fair bit of training to stay out and off their stock. But yeah, for general, getting work done on a bit on big farm enterprises i've always found those sort of dogs suited me better they give me a few yeah. more gray hairs but they get a lot more work done <laughs> yeah. mm. they're not for the and how about you no. <laughs> how about you Catherine? are you sort of on the same path or do you guys like a different style of dog 
No, I like them too. Fred's always like, oh, this one will be nice and easy. I'm like, I don't want the easy one. <laughs> but from a practical perspective, he looks at it from a practical perspective though because I'm not out working on the farm and, yeah, you know, um, so it's it's not realistic to take the really, the ones that just intense need to ones. really be intense. But um, I think, um, yeah. I still do like that kind of dog, you know, the kind of dog that will give you a few grey hairs because, you know, the kids don't give me enough. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it was four kids. (laughs) (laughs) And and those particular dogs, Fred, do you find you spend more time training them or or do you prefer to put miles under them to try and ground them a little bit? Uh, Look, I've done a a bit of both. I I like I did a lot of dog trialing um well up to the last couple of years till I took over manager at managing this place but um yeah I, I've spent a, I, I've spent a fair bit of time in the training pen but I've also I've like that type of dog in particular they do need miles like they yeah they they do need miles in the paddock and in the yards to um yeah if you the sort of dog if you were only training them It'd take a lot of screwing down without the without the actual um, uh, uh, big workload. They, yeah, they're dogs that need to go to work, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, do you want to tell us a, bit, a little bit about your current team? Ah, uh, well, that actually. In the role I'm in now, I um. Uh, like it's uh, it's the full manager management role of the property, so I'm looking after the actual business a lot more, and a lot I spend a lot of time working on the business and less in it. Uh, even yeah. though I'd um, I'd love to be in it more. Um, so um, yeah, look, the current team they, they, I sort of finished up as livestock manager, and they're pretty much the same crew of work dogs. They're just a little less fit, and um, their <laughs> skills aren't quite uh, sharpened and yeah, they knock up a lot quicker, that's for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they still do a good job, though. Yeah, they still do. They're they just st- not at their peak performance. Yeah. Which is not who, who, who are some of your main dogs then? I get through it a lot. Uh, yeah. Um, look, uh, uh, some of the main ones I've uh, got a uh, a dog called Dusty, who's by Boca Wonder. Um, yep. He is actually a bit paddockier type dog, but a good outside dog. And uh, I've still got uh, Lockerbie Minky, which is a um, Kippercoot Poly son, uh, a, a Kippercoot Poly out of um, uh, Barkel Twisty, um, which we bred a lot of that bloodline, the, the Twisty Poly pups, um, and they're fairly intense. Uh, he's getting a fair bit of age on him now. He, yeah, no, he's not, a bit older now, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. nine. He just turned nine. Yeah. And he, he still... looks he looks about fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> he's uh, done a lot of work that day. Yeah. But he um yeah, he's still part of the crew. And yeah, he's 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 an arrogant dog, but he's been he's been a good dog. <laughs> um, yeah, he's he he's won a lot of trials and things. He's been a fun dog to compete with too. The number of times when he was young that Fred's like, we're selling him. I'm like, no, we're not. <laughs> he would have been sold 50 times over, I reckon, that dog. <laughs> Wouldn't he? <Yeah. laughs> 
Couple others you'd like to mention there at all? Um, Asher. What's Asher? I've got to remember now. Um, he's a, out of Rain. He's Rain. So Rain is um, uh, Thunderbody Buster daughter, and um, out of Stormy. Rain's out of Storm. Yeah, Rain's out of Storm by uh, Thunderbody Buster, and um, and uh, the father was actually a Josh. Um, yeah, true, true blue Josh. Josh. Yeah, true blue Josh grandson, uh, son. So he's a, a Josh grandson. No. Uh, yeah, Ashes a lot. Ashes out of Ben. Ben, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, Ashes yeah. a grandson. Ashes a grandson. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's got Josh. We've got a lot of dogs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've got a bit of your own family tree happening there now, don't you? Yeah. 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 And and I know that um, you've recently lost one of your best mates there, Catherine. Um, yeah, Stormy. Storm, um, she had, uh, she's had mammary tumours before and we've had a few removed, but she got a big, big tumour on her shoulder um, that we had removed. And um, they, we didn't get it tested, but you know, she probably had lymphoma or something like that. So, and it just got to the point where she, you know, when Stormy doesn't want to play toys anymore, Stormy's done yeah. <laughs> So yeah. yeah, yeah, but um, sometimes yeah, they just don't live long enough for us, do they? No, well, she was only ten. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, we've still got Emily, which is her mother. She's out on the veranda there, and you yeah. know, like other than being a bit grey, you wouldn't know, and a bit deaf, you wouldn't know that Emily was the age that she is. She'd be thirteen, I think, twelve yeah. or thirteen. But um, yeah, it's just, just how you know. How the things go, I guess, and yeah, poor old Stormy. Yeah, sad. And um, uh, maybe after the when the kids get a bit more uh, mobile themselves, it might another dog hit your side of the camp. Yeah. Um. Look, I tell myself that I will be, you know, like I, I'm like this year, I'm gonna get out and train some dogs, but we really don't have a good setup at home. For training, it needs to be something where you can get out and train quickly, you know, yep. um, and we don't really have that set up. So I haven't really done anything. But um, in the meantime, I'm just going to have to steal the other work dogs <laughs> for, <laughs> um, for trialling. Um, Fred is forever telling me he doesn't have time to trial. So, um, you know, when I saw you guys a couple of weeks ago, I had Asher and Sophia. Um they're happy to trial for me. Um, Minky, look, Minky loves me, but I'm not sure that Minky would. <laughs> I think Minky would stick his finger up at me and go, hey, look what I can do. Um, look, he might not, but I don't think I really want to go out there and have him do that because, you know, he can cause That's some chaos. So, yeah. 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 Um, and Dusty too. Dusty's very one-person dog, isn't he? Mm. He's, I don't think Dusty would work for me either. But Asher and Sophia so, are okay. They will. So funny how that happens, though. Yeah. Like dogs just pick their person and then everyone else is just like white noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And, uh, like, I noticed, you know, the dogs that Fred had when we got together, if we were, you know, when we were to, 
together like they wouldn't even acknowledge me basically they would just you know listen to him if he wasn't there they would absolutely do what I asked them to do you just in a general you know getting around and um that sort of thing and so and now you know obviously the dogs that we've got now are the ones that have been around since I've been around and so I'm much more likely to get them to listen to me when he's there in fact when he's around they still will do what I want but if not when they're stock (laughs) (laughs) you know if they have a choice do I go with Fred or do I go with mama I'll go with mama because you know (laughs) she yells at us less (laughs) (laughs) and Fred who were some of your main or was there one influential dog um, that stood out for you in the time that that, that you've had your dogs been working them, and what made that dog special? Um, yeah, there's probably uh, well, the one overall. Like, are you talking about my own dogs? Not any dogs you've owned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yaluka Inman uh, would be the one, probably the the most. He he. Uh, yeah, he'd probably be the the best dog I've ever I ever had. Him and him or Polly, uh, Kipper Coop Polly. Um, yeah, him and him and uh, are probably owe a lot um, as, as to him as far as having a good name and dogs and him and Polly. Um, trial wise, work wise, um, yeah, they they they're both incredible dogs. Um, Inman was a was a very good paddock dog and just really smart. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, super intelligent. You lose him lose him out in the bush with a few lambs and yeah, you might not see him for a, like I know landmarking. If we had lambs escape, I could sort of leave him with the escapees and we'd be landmarking away and he'd turn up an hour later with them. And um, yeah, on his own, he'd work independently. Just a yeah, terrific dog. Um, yeah. But yeah, that'd be. He, I mean, he done great things trial wise. He he won he uh, he won a New South Wales State Championship. Um, won heaps of trials. He was uh, dog of the uh, no, he's novice dog of the year for South Australia. One was he a big was part. New South Wales dog of the year. Oh, he was yeah, he was New South Wales dog of the year one year too. Um, yeah, he came runner up in one Australian, I think. Um, yeah, one Hamilton Sheep Vention. Um, yeah, there's a pretty big list of accolades that he's done, but yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember them all now. But but yeah, no, he, and he was just um, actually he was the dog um, before Cat and I got together. Cat watched him trial at Hamilton. That was actually the Hamilton trial he won, hmm. and um, I think that's what uh, initially brought her to me was watching him work. So get her over the line. Oh, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. That the wasn't one. the year that he won. It was the year before. That's right. Yeah, it was two years. Before. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, you, you already had her on the hook, mate. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, the reason that I, I mean, obviously I liked Inman, um, but Fred, like, it, I think it's changed a bit now, but watching that trial, you know, like I was a trainer from, from the city, but um, when Fred was running Inman, you know, he's actually, like, when Inman did something good, he actually would tell him and he'd praise him and that sort of thing. And I think... You, I think you see it more now, but it certainly stood out to me on that day that there was not a lot of praise 
Um, and I'm like, oh, you know, he actually likes his dogs. And then, you know, talking to him like they do, you know, he'd do little tricks and stuff with them, which is all that connection building and that. So that's, you yeah. know. Um, but, yeah, any, any man, you know. Yeah. He was our ring bearer at mm -hmm. our wedding. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what, what trick did you teach him for that, Fred? Did he have to have paws up or anything or just walk a straight line? No, he just had to walk down the aisle. Yeah. Just, yeah. Walk down, just a bit yeah. of a walking whistle. Yeah. He was a um, he was a character of a dog, though. Like, um, uh, you know, I taught him to where I could just shoot him, like pull me, uh, pretend to pull up a gun and, and shoot him and he dropped dead for me and, and he was quite good at it, but he'd um when you were doing it at home, uh, it would be sort of oh, I'll get I'd do it, and he'd sort of throw himself down and get back up, and it was sort of it, it was just repetition to him. But I took him to a I was doing demos at an, at the Adelaide show, and I just finished um doing um a, a run through like it's like a sort of a mock trial type thing, and at the end of it, I um sat him down and I shot him, like did the, the <laughs> pretend shooting him thing, and the um. And he, he he sort of he sort of got up on his rear end and wobbled and fell over so dramatically. <laughs> like he was a proper show pony. He was a show pony, yeah. wasn't he? <laughs> With big trials too, he'd be like, "Right, let's see what I can do this time." He was a show off. Yeah, he, he was a show off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> I love that because, like, like you said, Catherine, like just the playing with him and um, all that that bond. Like, I think that's. Um, it's becoming more prominent. People are seeing it, but I think it was overshadowed for years where people just been, oh, they're just work dogs. Um, yeah. But there's so much more yeah. than that, right? Yeah, that's it. And that's that's always that's been a big thing. I mean, that's always been a, a thing of Fred's is that, that connection. And obviously when you're training not working dogs, it's quite a prominent thing anyway that, you know, you're well bonded to your dogs and that sort of thing. But, um, you know, we've done that in our schools and, and people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I can see that. And how important um, it is understanding how connection works so get like making a conservative effort on it like um you know when you're in the training process um in negativity uh, if you can picture like a beam of connection between you and your dog negativity sh shrinks that beam and positivity positivity opens it up so like throughout the pro training process it, it's sort of fluctuating between the two and if you're feeling like you're going down a path where you've got a lot of negativity and that beam is shrinking you've got to consciously think about how i can open that beam of connection up again so by going back to something positive in the training process um yeah but to be conscious of it because it's easy to get down on a dog and keep going until you've blown them all together and they've um they've yeah. left you but just understanding that that beam of connection is starting to shrink and doing what you can to open it up again and being conscious of that. And that can be through anything. That's where a lot of, you know, we're doing tricks and playing with dogs. Um, yeah, just doing Please something. To, the bank. Yeah, to do something positive. Yeah. Yeah. To be, yeah. Actually, I really, really, really like the way you explain that, uh, Fred. Yeah. For a couple of people out there that might be a little bit novice, um, what are some of the signs there when you can tell – Maybe you are going down that path a bit too far. Like, what what might your dog be doing? Yawning. It's funny, funny one. If they start yawning and sniffing the ground, um, lip licking. Yeah, lip licking. Um, 
you know, starting, you know, you're walk, working the mob of sheep and their eyes are starting to look over the fence and other things like, yeah, displacement behaviour. Yeah, um, they're sort of signs. Uh, I think one of the things a lot of people do, though, too, is that, um, you know, like if, if you're trying to get the dog to do something and they're continuously, continuously, continuously failing for whatever reason, the dog in that moment, they can't do it. So you need to uh, change what you're doing. You know, there's no point in um, doing the same. What is it they say? Insanity is doing the same thing over it's and over again, expecting result. a different result. Yep. So, you know, um, just because, and, you know, dogs can, sometimes they can do what we're asking and then some days, it, you know, maybe it is a bit hard for them. You know, I, my brain is sometimes far more switched on, on some days than on others. <laughs> yep. And, um, and our dogs are the same. So I think, you know, when people are seeing and the dog starts, you know, their, their whole posture starts to go down and they're just getting flatter and they're, they're not getting anywhere is just make it easier for them. You know, um, if you were expecting the whole race, I mean, obviously when you're at work, there's a, you know, there's obviously a, a conflict there, but you know, sometimes you've got to take what you can get and get a win and build that confidence back up in the dog to then be able to continue with what you're trying to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, got a question here from Nat Grimmer and she asks, um, you talked about working different stock before. What do you believe makes a good all-round dog, particularly on cattle? <clears throat> um, on cattle, uh Okay, uh, strength, um, uh, yeah, look, for cattle work, yes, strength, strength, walk-up strength, uh, yeah, I guess um, uh, to, to be fairly patient, draw a line in the sand, um, yeah, I, I've always found working cattle, um, uh, you 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 um, want the dog to be strong, but you you only you you only generally want them to do enough to to get a result. You don't want them to um, sort of fly in and uh, and cause a fight that's not necessary. Um, yeah, um, doing do enough that's necessary, I suppose. Hmm. Um, uh, I don't I don't feel like I answered that very well, yeah, but no, anyway. I, I think <laughs> No, you did. You answered it really well, mate. And do you think sometimes people get caught up in strength where they think, you know, this, this big, hard-hitting dog that's just harassing things and making things move compared to the dog that you just kind of explained or, you know, described then? Yeah. Yeah, I think it can. Like, um, yeah, I, I think a good, like, I mean, this is just my humble opinion, but a dog on cattle that can... um get a result will raise its level of intensity to get its result a result so if it can just turn the uh, turn and uh, turn a cow with a nip on the nose gently it'll take that option but if 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 they can read the beast in front of them and and um and up the ante if needed or back it down if they need it it's it's um it's uh, yeah i i haven't seen a lot of dogs with that trait but I have seen a few, and I reckon that's your ultimate cattle dog that can read the cow in front of it and um, and uh, adapt, ad, ad, adapt with its intensity to be able to get the result at once. Do you know um, what you just? Yeah. Do you know what you just described? Then you absolutely just described what Catherine mentioned about training that pup that feels a bit too much pressure from a yeah, human yeah. perspective. 
It's all the same. Psychology yeah. is all the, you know, that's what my oh, my um, PhD was on learning and, yep. and the psychology of learning. And it doesn't matter whether it's dogs or kids or husbands or <laughs> <laughs> or cattle or sheep or whatever. It's just it's just having that good understanding that, you know, um, sometimes too, you know, a bit of pressure is good. Too much pressure is not good, you know, and too little pressure is not effective either. You know, it's yeah. finding that balance. And knowing when to when to apply it and when when to you know retreat a bit, given a bit of yeah, that's given a bit of reprieve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, you know from doing stuff with dogs with behaviour issues, you know that is really obviously quite a prominent thing, especially if you're dealing with a dog that's you know got dog to dog aggression or something like that. You really need to be able to take that pressure off you know it's quite a big thing for them it's quite a, it's a very stressful thing to be faced you know with your fear of a of a dog you know and a lot of dogs particularly in fear aggression you know um for dogs that have fear aggression the the purpose of that aggression is to um make themselves look really scary and scare the other thing and say oh you know i'm so yeah. tough you don't want to come near me because like i can rip your head off that kind of thing which is not actually you know, it's it's a lot of bluff, I think, yeah. a lot of the time. But you can't have that dog in that state all the time. That's obviously really stressful. So if you're going to put them in a position where they're, they're coping, but, you know, that's where they're going to go, you've got to make sure you take off that pressure. And I think, I guess, um, that probably helped with, you know, stock and training dogs on stock is knowing yeah. when to take that pressure off the dog so that they can recover from that situation so they can come in again and um, maybe you can push them a bit harder once you've taken yeah. that pressure off. And, and you guys touched earlier on um, obviously your dog schools and whatnot. Um, how about have you come past dogs that work stock out of fear aggression and how have you kind of tried to swing those dogs around? Uh, are you um, fear aggression on you say dog? dogs that work stock with fear aggression? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, uh, you mentioned that. Uh, uh, um, look, uh, uh, well, firstly, to address your question, um, uh, is is building confidence in um, in uh, in strength. Um, I mean, we've got an exercise that we do in a school where we have a sheep and a head bail, and there's a um a little race coming off the front of it, and. The objective is with the dog is to be able to walk that dog straight in on that sheep's head and work out where it's comfort zone. So you know, um, a couple of things will happen when you, you when you're walking that dog in on the on the sheep's head. Um, they'll walk comfortably to a point, and then they'll either want to back off and run away, or they'll want to attack. And um, and the objective to build confidence and strength in the dog is to take them to where they're comfortable, where they're walking on that sheep to where they're comfortable. And, and you might do that a number of times. And then, and then you, and the, and the objective is to take them one more step past their comfort zone without them busting or, or trying to take off and then rewarding that. And then over a progression of time, getting them closer and closer to the head of the sheep, getting, building their confidence, confidence and walk up strength. Um, you know, you'd be over a matter of weeks. Um, uh, um, yeah, just getting them to walk, to take one extra step, then they're comfortable. 
um, without busting. Um, that's that's how I've dealt with dogs that um, do use fear, aggression, and bust very easily. Um, so that's that's what I've done to build strength. I mean, you, you that, in, at the end of the day, you'll improve. Uh, I mean, a, a dog that acts like that out of fear, aggression, is actually a, a a bit weaker dog. Um, yeah. Well, that's what I feel. That, uh, you, and um, and you can improve them, but they will always not be as strong as a naturally strong dog, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But you can improve them. Um, yeah. yeah. But um, on the same token, um, uh, dogs with, uh, um, with that um, fear, aggression, and those weaker dogs that will sort of opt to bark or attack um uh because they are that little bit weaker can actually i've, I've found I've, I've, I've had a bitch in the past emily who's very much like that who's a really awesome like a very good handy work dog just because um she's got this attitude is that i'll get you all before you get me and so she's <laughs> in the yard she's extremely loud and boisterous and and back and bark and go like the clappers but it's all from a place that she's um She's not confident, so she's got this whole "I'm I'm going to get you all before you get me" attitude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it makes her actually quite a useful yard dog. Um, it did. She's getting quite old now, but um, yeah. So you can use it, even though it sometimes you can use those that what can be a weakness in the dog can be used as a strength. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. Same yeah, when working here on cattle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, I found the cat just made me mention. I found that when I was working cattle with her too, if I had a standoff and nothing was happening, um, I'd often send her in to at least just pick a fight to make something happen because yeah. the others would be in a Texas standoff and there'd be strong dogs just eye to eye with the cows, and she'd pick a fight and at least something she'd get something happening if we weren't getting anywhere. <laughs> Yeah, um, she'd pick the fight, and the others would finish it, sort of thing. So you use, yeah. use that bit of that weakness to your advantage, into the team's advantage. Yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, okay. and and you yeah. mentioned yeah. there like working different types of stock in, in different like parts of of the country. Like, how? What about the terrain, mate? What kind of have you worked a whole different range of of type of country? Definitely, yeah. Well, um, in South Australia, it was all flat. Um, and probably the challenges down there was the uh, uh, tea tree scrubs. Yeah. Um, there was a, quite quite a, some flat ground, but it was all scrub blocks. Um, not all scrub blocks, but there was a lot of um, tea tree scrub blocks where we were getting sheep and cattle out of, and that could be quite challenging. You'd have to have a dog that could search and use its nose through the scrub a bit. Um, and then um, I that was down South Australia, and then moving up to Kangaroo Mount out from Gundagai, that's... Um, it's an extremely rugged block, uh, very steep hills, a scrub as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, at, at Kangaroo Mount, um, you, that you would just actually you, you couldn't. There was it'd be nearly impossible to do a lot of the work without a dog. You just there was places you you couldn't get. You, uh, the only way to get to the livestock was to send a dog. Um, yeah, we did a sort of a lot of horseback and and using dogs there, and. Um, yeah, but I've also worked a lot of flat open country too. Um, yeah. So now I understand why your term of your dog's been unfit compared to some of the work <laughs> you would have done before to now. Like, yeah. you know, that, that, that terrain, like Kangaroo Mountain there on horseback, your, your dogs would do miles on the ground before they even seen stock. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that tailing out behind a <laughs> horse. Yeah. 
So now your expectations are pretty high, right? Like for fitness and whatnot as well. Where some people might yeah. look at your dogs and go, oh, no, they're heaps fit. <laughs> no, they're pretty unfit. <laughs> <laughs> they really don't get to go to work a lot. Yeah. I, I need to sort of teach them how to do office jobs or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you, I um, often think about teaching teach them to do something else. <laughs> When you teach them how to get back to emails or messages, can you let me know, please? Oh, it great. really makes work a lot more easier. Yeah. <laughs> so what age do you guys go about starting a pup on stock and, and what do you start them on? Uh, we usually start showing our litters. Um, obviously, it depends on what else is going on, but we try to get their first look um, as sort of, Six, seven weeks of age. Um, we do it. We usually have a couple, you know, maybe three, three or four sheep. Quiet, obviously, trainers that are, are pretty um, well broken in. And um, we put them on all together just for confidence. And the only expectation or the, the only thing we're really looking for then is to get them having a bit of a look, you know, so we go in there and run around with them and, you know, try to amp them up a little bit, build the confidence in them. Um, you know, obviously every litter is different. Some litters are like straight out of the gate. They're all out and eyeing and working and then others um, take a little bit longer for you to, you know, for them to go, oh, hang on, the sheep move, and then they get into it. So um, we just try to do a few little exposures early on, um when we can um it also helps obviously to get an idea of you know if we're keeping any which ones we're going to keep and which ones are we going to move on and and that sort of thing um i think we usually have a bit of an idea before we put them on stock though just from their general confidence and and that sort of thing around the camp but obviously you don't know what they're going to look like on stock until you put them on there um and then <laughs> when do we train them? When we get a chance. <laughs> in in our time together, it's ranged from eight weeks to two years. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, there's no hard and fast. Um, we try, you know, I mean, I think it's important for them to have some exposure, obviously young, and that's why we do it. But I think that early handling and socialising and, 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 um, and that sort of thing is more important. Um, you know, I think obviously, you, you know, you need to train, um, things in your dogs, but they've got that instinct there. If you can get those early foundations, what that instinct is always going to be there. If you've done that early socialization, you've got a good, well-rounded pup that's had that good early exposure. Um, I think, you know, it, it makes it possible to bring out what's in there later on, if that makes sense. No, yeah. absolutely. So, so do you do any training away from stock? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, again, it's, look, our whole life is time dependent. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, yeah. we do. Um, uh, different litters, we do different things. I mean, obviously, um, 
all the handling and stuff, but then, you know, uh, we try to do um, some recalls and, and a bit of sitting and that sort of thing. And um, I know some people really frown on using a bit of food um, and that sort of thing to reward them. But particularly I think when they're young and you're teaching them, you know, that when they say learning, they're learning to learn, um, anything yeah. that the dog finds reinforcing is beneficial. And, you know, obviously if there's a sheep, there then the dogs are not taking food but when you're off stock um anything that that dog really loves that you can reward them with is is only going to help you know because it's building it's helping them with that connection as well so um and you know i mean we go to work we get paid so it makes sense to that dogs would want to get paid um and obviously when you're working stock you know the work itself can be you know what you're getting paid with um yep, but absolutely. i think but i think that it doesn't hurt to get paid a bit extra you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I don't i don't disagree with you at all like, as i think yeah. i mentioned before putting making putting deposits in the bank you know yeah. i think i made that comment and that, that's yeah that's you know working working for whatever by getting paid for it you know yeah, whether it's on stock or not like your payment on stock can be you will you do what we ask you you get your stock you know like yeah that's yeah I think that's important myself. Yeah. And um, any kind of – is there an age there, Fred, where you you like to see a pup doing something and then you think, oh, if it's not doing something by a particular age, you, you like to move it on? So I'm assuming you kind of like a bit of an early starter? Yeah, I guess so. Um, uh, yeah, I do. Um, I have been surprised a few times with late starters, actually, too, uh, I must admit. I've um, – yeah, we've had, um, I, I, you know, you, you always like that nice pump, pup that's out the gate quick, like it, it like wants to work straight up and showing you everything um, that you want early. That's the one you'll gravitate to. But, yeah, I have also been surprised by the dog that I haven't been able to get rid of that's sat there and not shown a lot and then suddenly gone snap and, and, and is into it and has end up, I've ended up selling the one I was originally going to keep mm. and yeah. kept the one there. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> So it, um, actually, Minky is a bit of an example of that. He was Minky a, was scared. Minky was frightened of sheep to start with. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Would leave the pen, was scared of them, yeah. you know. If he had been somewhere else, he probably would have, you know, got a new home if he was lucky and maybe a bullet if he was <laughs> less lucky. But yeah. um, once he realised that sheep aren't scary, um, yeah, he's been a great dog. He yeah. went to work when he was, what, nine months old or something at kangaroo mount so he did was doing miles straight off the bat yeah yeah wasn't he mm. no. yeah once he clicked yeah. he was away yeah 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 well and, and how do you, oh we you know it's a bit of a lot when you touched on it there how do you guys go about picking a pup for yourselves uh it doesn't i i guess uh, um it it probably can depend a bit on what I'm lacking in the team at the time. And, um, you know, if I'm, I know often I've selected, if I've got a team of um, buff heads that I've, I've been looking for something a bit paddockier, I'll start leaning towards a dog that's showing a bit more distance and um, yeah, a bit more, a uh, bit more patience and doesn't want to come inside that bubble too much. But um, uh, yeah, it, it, again, it sort of um, depends on what I'm looking for at the time, but, um yeah uh um but look i, I suppose generally uh, uh, 
a good balance of work is always you always look at that pup that shows it shows it's got a bit of everything um yeah you'll try I, we I, do often try um, to look out for you know when you've got pups obviously i mean they're so little trying to trying to head sheep can be tricky but there's usually you know that standout pup that is really trying their hardest to get to the head and that sort of thing and I yeah think that's often yep. the one what we tend to to be keen on yeah um just because even though they've got tiny little legs they've got that desperation to try and get there um you know so which you obviously like attitude yeah yeah attitude is important yeah temperament um yeah yeah definitely. i like confidence too like um rain which is ash's mum she she's mine she <laughs> she's gonna be my work dog and then we started having kids um but she <laughs> i picked her um from that litter because she was the first one of the litter to come up to the rest of the dogs with me they were living around the house and um she was the one that was confident enough to go near the you know 15 barking dogs and get out and about and i really like to see that that confidence um in them without you know that, that i guess that their natural confidence um is is sort of i don't know i find that interesting i like that mm. i've worked with a lot of dogs that are lacking in confidence just general confidence so i guess maybe i i sort of think well that's nice if they've already got it <laughs> something less to work with work on yeah right? work on yeah. something else instead yeah and once those dogs start switching on and you've got some basic commands and stuff on them, is most of your training then done on the job or are you still, you know, setting time aside to train them? Look, when, when I, I mean, last couple of years aside, um, yeah, look, I, I did spend a fair bit of time in the training pen. I trying to give him a mix of both. At, yeah, at, mm -hmm. um, getting the miles under their belt. But, yeah, I would spend a fair bit of time in the training pen too. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, that's probably the best answer, the combination. Yeah, you sort of get a bit on them yeah. and then get them out to work. Yeah. And then when time would, you know, when you can, you, you get a bit more training into them. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And Catherine actually touched on it before about your training there um, and not having a great setup at the moment. What, what is your ideal setup for training? Well, we uh, actually, it's, it, with the change of roles, um, we changed houses, but, uh, so that's why we don't have the setup now. But yeah, where we were at uh, the house where I was livestock manager, we, um, we it was pretty good actually. We could walk out the back door. We had the dogs in an old shearing shed, which was adjoined to a set of yards um, mm. with a, it had a bit of a paddock area, a race, and everything was basically there. Um, and so there was a small yard with all, with a yeah a bit of yard set up in there, and then right next to that was a little bit bigger paddock, if you wanted to go out into a little bit bigger area. But yeah, I'm sort of talking, you know, an acre at the most, or it wouldn't even be that, yep. would it? No, and then and then we had another little paddock again that was sort of um, uh, would have been about five acres. Mm. Uh, so so we could, it was perfect. You, you sort of you could really? do a bit for whatever stage a dog was at. And we sort of would have um, have the yard set up, and then we might have. I think the little the the middle size area we sort of it just left that blank just to have a bit of room to work a dog around. And out in the big area, we had a few obstacles and whatnot, so we could sort of cater to whatever we dog mm. we had at the time. And it was basically walk out the back door, and it was all there. 
I think um, I think yeah. the only thing I would change about where we were is um, I would have a smaller yard for when the like because the the tr- main training yard was still a bit big when you're running around with little pups, especially when you're pregnant with human yeah. babies and that. Yeah, we never had the never had. A, <laughs> there was a, a lot of running. <laughs> we never actually had a round yard. That would be something we'd add in as a round yard. I yeah. think a little round yard for pups. Yeah. Um, that's the one thing we didn't have, but. Yeah, no, it was that. It was good. It was straight out the back door. It was all there. It was easy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look, we'll at pass a fridge on the way. Uh, yeah, grab a cold one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No. <laughs> Actually, it was because we used to have we had the fridge in the dog trailer, and you'd walk past the dog. Oh, trailer I did too. Yeah, we did it. use that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're spot on there, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> love it loving it yeah. and um while we're talking about pups um do you, do you guys breed many pups we uh we've had a bit of a hiatus uh since um since we moved before we moved here um so we've got uh some one week old pups now but we haven't had any for nearly two years um before that we were probably two or three litters a year maybe just depending on um you know what we had time for what we were looking at what opportunities were were up at the time um so i mean we we do want to keep going obviously we put a lot of time and effort into what we've got um you know over in the kennel so we want to continue with that it's just finding the balance between fred's full-on job and three full-on kids and trying to you know (laughs) Like puppies are a lot of work. I don't. I think people think you know people that don't do it think, oh yeah, that's just easy. You just put your dog and they just go and have some puppies. And but not if you're doing it properly. So you know, there's a lot of time and effort involved in lots of cleaning <laughs> with puppies. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, but I think yeah, we'll try and maybe do one or two litters a year, perhaps. Yeah. Just see how we go. Obviously, as the kid, kids get older, it's easier. Um, and you know, the kids are great for the, there's nothing better than the kids for puppy socialization because, you know, they are just, yeah. And cleaning kennels out once they're older. (laughs) No, they bail on you. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) Yeah, we'll help. We'll help. They'll grab the hose and then they'll bail. Yeah. (laughs) We can hope. We can hope, can't we? <laughs> That's it. We'll just say um, you can't have the Wi-Fi password unless you help with the dogs. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, what are you guys looking for when considering, like, joinings and all that? Again, probably uh, in the past it would have been what we were lacking in our current team. Um and so yeah, it'd be yeah. Um, if we're lacking lacking a paddock dog, we'd be sort of looking to breed something that would fit that role. Or if we yeah, some of our um, more intense dogs were getting a bit old, we'd be looking for replacements for them. So or mm-hmm. and occasionally we have occasionally we've bred, haven't we? Where we've had requests for yeah a, a certain bloodline that we've done in the past and. If, if people have come to us and said, if you breed them, we'd really want a pup. I think our, our general overall aim has really, uh, up until, you know, when we sort of took a bit of a break, is trying to, you know, we had really that great strength in Josh 
um, and some of his his kids are, you know, probably not as ultimately strong as Josh, but on that way. But trying, Josh was also very hard-headed, so trying to retain the strength and intensity but get a bit more biddability into them um, yep. just to make it a little bit less stressful, a few less grey hairs, but still having that that good work dog, you know what I mean? Like trying to keep keep that tougher line but maybe just a bit easier to get along with because it, it is, you know, I mean, probably not so much now, but I'd say five years ago, you know, if people would inquire about getting one of our pups, I'd be like, well, yeah, but they're not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> if you're wanting to just go out and, and, and cruise out there with them, it, that's not going to happen. You know, you're going to have to be on them and um, they do a lot of work for you, but they can also um, run a mark. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You just answered about five different questions yeah. between I had oh. and we had <laughs> as well. <laughs> so kind of you, you stole a couple of bags, I think, from people there, but that's, uh, I love oh, the, the best you gave me. No, don't be sorry. You answered it fantastic. I, I actually I have, do have a question. Like you guys have had some like pretty good size there that people have used in their own breeding programs. How about outside size for you guys? Do you have you used many outside size, or do you plan on it? And why? Um, or how do you go about picking particular outside sires? Um, I'll, I'll mention one in the new. Um, well, uh, well, one sire we've used. Um, uh, we used Bocker Wonder, um, uh, and. Um, he probably the main reason there he possesses probably um, a, a, a bit more distance and and natural paddock work than our current line, and we were trying to bring a bit of that into um, to uh, to and, and a bit more bitability too, um, whilst still maintaining. You know, he he was still a very good yard dog and and reasonable yeah. and all other facets, but he le he lent that way and um yeah so i'm not sure if i've lost the question here but um yeah no, that, no, was no, one, that, that was one sire we looked at um but that well we've used a number of times actually and, um and had some good pups yeah yeah we try to look at you know um what our what the bitch has got and what would complement what her natural tendencies are you yeah. know like um yep. like i guess you know when we put trooper over emily um trooper of andrew king's what's his prefix we probably should um, say that um i've forgotten the prefix he's like, yeah. is, uh, oh, no. trooper trooper's not king's leaf trooper's um could you yes that's it could you trooper yeah. i'm all over you are all over look at you go um <laughs> Yeah, looking. Laura's you know, just like, pumping for anyone that can't <laughs> see it out there. <laughs> um, looking to put him with Emily, you know. I mean, Emily's a great dog, but as we were saying, she's not got a heap of strength. So trying to bring that in a bit more through Trooper. Yeah, a bit more strength um, through Trooper. Yeah. And um, just trying to find ones that complement, you know, um, what we've got with, you know, you don't. we don't tend to put two dogs that are the same together yep yeah <laughs> and, and, then, and then not too far removed either it's a funny balancing act um sort of um, yeah that's what i was just gonna ask yeah um 
yeah, sort of, uh, you don't want to go complete opposites, but you, you want them sort of nearly from the same base, but slightly heading in different directions, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, it's probably the way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Otherwise, if, yeah. if you're at two ends yeah. of the spectrum, you're going to get yeah. one either, some yeah. either side. And if you're lucky, you may get something in the middle, but the probability yeah. of that is very slim, yeah. right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And and even when you do do it, I mean, you, you're still going to go one way or the other with a lot of the litter. Um, but you're hoping you'll get that. You'll you'll get the one or two pups in there that you're looking for. Mm. Um, often the ones that still swing either way are still useful in their own right for other people. Or yeah, you know what I mean. They still they'll just lean one way or the other. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And do you believe that the sire has any more influence over the pups or the bitch, or do you reckon it's even split with? What's a, your opinion there? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. I think genetics is genetics and, you know, I mean, obviously if you're bringing them up the same, then, you know, who knows what you're going to be getting. But you can't <laughs> – you're not getting more genes from the sire than you are from the dam. So I think – I don't know. I don't think you you get one more of a type from one than the other. Um, that's the scientist in me just says, well, genetically that's, you know, it's, it's how the genes combined, you combine, you know, um, so you might, you know, in a, in any given litter, you, you know, you might get pups that are more like the sire, but then in another litter, you might get them more like the dam and, or you might get a combo or who knows what you're going to get, you know? Um, I mean, it's the same if you look at, if you look at people, some people's kids yeah. all look exactly the same and like one parent and others, people's kids look completely different or they look, yeah. or that, yeah, exactly. Or they're, a, a, you know, you can say, oh, I can see you've got their nose and their whatever. And and I think, you know, I mean, obviously you're, you're talking more about workability, but I don't see why that would be any different, you yeah. know, is there how they work and um, their instinct and all of that sort of thing, I don't think you could scientifically say it comes more from one than the other. But I don't know. I'm sure people would disagree with me. Yeah, this, this is in our humble opinion. <laughs> no, 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 and that's your opinion, right? And that and that's cool. And that's the beauty about, about what we do here, right? To learn a bit about everyone. And... With what I've said there. No, 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 there's nothing wrong with what you said. I know oh, people would disagree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That uh, I, I love it, guys, and like I said, like you guys would see it a bit uh, as well, and even within your pups, right? And having a few around and seeing certain dogs row um, closer to themselves and whatnot, so that's awesome. And uh, while we're talking to, about pups and and dogs here, like well, obviously we're always talking about dogs, but what advice would you give to someone looking to buy their first pup or their dog? Uh, well, I suppose look at your enterprise, what you're uh what the sort of work you are um you you undertake i suppose uh what your operation what t what stock classes you have um like yeah you know for example if you're working cattle well you're not you know you need strength you're not gonna you're not gonna look at lines that are but you're gonna look for lines that are, have got natural strength in them um yeah if you're or the same token if you're a um uh if you're a dipping contractor you're not gonna want a nice wide soft paddock dog you're looking <laughs> yeah. yeah you're looking for something that's nat very natural in the yard so you look at the parentage and the pedigree behind them and and try to follow a line that's um 
you know, that suits your type of your operation, I guess, or what you do. Um, hmm. Yeah. All right, that's that's great advice, and and you guys obviously deal with it, have a whole heap of, you know, the dogs you like and whatnot, and what suits you. When you get people come your way and they're after a pup and they they say, you know, I'm after this wide, touchy paddock dog, and you obviously breed dogs with a bit of strength, like the majority of the time. How upfront do you have to be with people in this day and age about that? Extremely. Yeah, extremely. Yeah. And do you think the ball gets pulled over a lot of people's eyes out there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, if we, if, if we have, we've bred an intense litter and somebody comes there, we'll say, well, look, this is nothing like what you want. But uh, here's some people, we would refer them on to somebody yeah, else, yeah, that would have what they're looking for yeah. rather than give them. Because we don't, we don't, you know, want to sell a, do- a pup and then find out that it wasn't what they want and it's been put down or shipped on or, yeah, or have right. them come back and they're not happy, you know. We yeah. Go yeah. out of our way to make sure they're happy with the with the pup they've got. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, I mean, when you're selling really them as pups, you never know exactly what they're going to be, but you, you want to be as as close to what, you you know, you think that dog is going to be. You want to try and match it up with the right right person. Same with, with temperament, you know, with because of that intensity, there's sometimes you're like, I just don't think this kind of dog Could is going to suit your, your temperament, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, and I think I, th- I think you have to be upfront. I mean, if you give all that advice in the world and they say no, no, I really want that, you know, who are we? To, I guess who are you to say that? Yep. You know. Um, but but as a breeder, you've you've done a responsible thing, right? Or, that's and that, it. that's so admirable. I, I I believe there's so many people out there still that are just so happy just to sell a pup and grab their grab their coin. So for yeah. you guys to go to that to that level. Um, that, that's fantastic. Well, I think it's just the same of um, a lot like an interview. You could, you get to interview them just as much as they get to interview you. So you get yeah. to ask them what what they want from their dogs and, and they get to ask you what your dogs are doing and about, about the parents and everything. It goes both ways, doesn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's not just with pups though too. Like, you know, we've sold a lot of starter dogs and um, – we always try to be really honest of what the dog is and not just say, oh, look, they're awesome at this, this and this. And you can say, well, you know, sometimes they're a bit of a rabbit in this situation and making sure that people understand, you know, what they're getting, you know, especially with a starter dog that's not fully going. They're not they're not a complete product yet, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, we also, you know, I mean, with all of our dogs that we, um, sell, but particularly with, you know, you started and trained and that sort of thing is, you know, making sure that they realise that if you're having a problem with the dog, let us know, you know, give us a call and because, you know, I mean, particularly the started and going dogs that we sell, Fred does most of the training, you know, he knows the dog. He can say, oh, yeah, no, the best approach for that dog is to try this, you know, and um, is yeah. that after sale support kind of kind of thing, you know, um, so that they're actually getting what they what they need from that, you know, and the dog's getting what they deserve as well in, in you know, if they've got – if. If we sell a dog to someone that's willing to come back and say, look, I'm just not sure how to go about this in this situation and they're trying to do the best for the dog, you know, we want to help them do that, you know, because ultimately it's the dogs that we've bred and put out there. So we want to know that they're they're doing well and being looked after well and doing what they need to do. 
yeah. yeah, it's your name on it just as much as it is theirs. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's and with it. that attitude, that's why you guys have got a, got a good yeah. name. So hats off to you. It's awesome. Thanks. And and on you're welcome. That, <laughs> 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 um. So on that, Casey Hayes has asked if there was one dog that you could have back that you've sold, who would it be and why? Oh. Uh, I know. Um, smudge. Yeah, probably smudge. Or edge. Edge or smudge. Edge or smudge. Or even um, what's the dog I sold Queensland? We sold the Queensland. Oh, Onyx. Onyx. Yeah. Yeah, we we can have quite a few actually. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, what what was sold it? Sold a lot of dogs for um uh you know we need to like you know we've we've had wedding dogs and we had. <laughs> Christmas present dogs for yeah. kids and <laughs> dogs that we don't really want to sell, but you know, probably, um, um yeah, probably smudge though, I reckon. Yeah, um, hey, uh, that would make what's uh, Derek he, if he's listening, yeah. he'd be very happy with that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> and, and what is it about smudge? Uh, he, um, uh, he, he's really intelligent and really big heart, um. I don't know. He was a really likable dog, and he 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 had a bit. He had a he had a bit. He was a very well rounded. Um, yeah, he had a, a, just a lot of all round ability. He probably wasn't. He, he wasn't an absolute superstar at anything, but he was above average at most things. Yeah, yeah, and probably, easy to get along. And with. yeah, very biddable. Yeah, um, just a sweet. Sweet dog, but right. a good worker. You and he know? was he was called Smudge because he was a black and tan, and he had like this red splotch on the top of his head. It was a smudge. Yeah, yeah it's right. like somebody put a bit of paint on the top of his head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Sounds like a cool dog. Yeah. And we might touch on a bit of trialing here. How how long you mentioned trialing there a few times earlier there, Fred? How long have you been trialing for? Oh. Geez, I've got to think. A, a very long time. Um, <laughs> uh, How old were the big kids when you started trialling? Well, Lyndon was a baby. So he was born in 2004. Yeah. So 19 years. Holy dooly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to talk about that. <laughs> How old were that? Was the <laughs> I, I honestly didn't think it was that long, but that's about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nearly nineteen. Yeah. How about yourself, uh, Catherine? Um, I well, I um with uh, stock dogs, I started trialing in um two thousand and. I want to say 2013. Um, yeah, I think it was 2013. I did a lot of, um, I used to compete in agility and obedience and stuff like that before that. But with stock dogs, that's when I started trialing. Actually, speak, mentioning that, how did you go letting go of some control when you <laughs> switched to stock dogs? Did you, is yeah. that something you struggled with? Really? I really did. When, you know, from my background with, with you know, pet dogs and obedience and like, you know, if I say sit, you sit the first time I say it and you sit until I tell you to move and it, that's obviously, that's not always right when you're working stock <laughs> because then the sheep will move and the dog has to cover or whatever. So I found 
very I found that really difficult to let go of to start with um and because it was so ingrained in me because of because of what I was training you know that was just how it you know and but you know with pet dogs with family dogs it needs to be the, the clearer it is what they are expected to do the easier it is going to be for people to get along with them but obviously with because you've got the livestock aspect it's not so black and white all the time and so um you do have to let go of it but i found that i yeah it was a struggle to start with i think now i'm just like oh whatever <laughs> the dog trainer's been beaten out of me into a different kind of dog trainer now. I, I, I think when a, a, a comment Catherine made, particularly with Imman when I was trialling, she mentioned to me once, you know, I would say something to Imman and he wouldn't always obey it. And and I said to her one day, I said, often he knows better than I do. So half the time I'm yeah. just suggesting and we'll see if he agrees. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but it really is like that, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. in, I mean, I suppose sometimes, you know, in agility, if I'd make a handling mistake or something, I'd apologise to the dog. But but certainly I'm, I'm sure I've never apologised to a dog more than when I'm yard trialling where I'll be like, you know, I'll tell them to go one way and they're like, oh, yeah, sorry, no, you're right. I got picked on that the other day. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, isn't it? Like, uh, a judge said the other day, you just apologise to your dog, and yep, yeah, yeah. I, I, I did. I, I stuffed up, so I totally get your pain there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and, and no, I've been, you know, I've been in trials where like Trigger will look at me and he's like, "How do I do it?" And I'll be look back and I go, "I don't know, mate. <laughs> See what you can work out. I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> I don't have enough stock experience to tell you how to do that, buddy. I've done what I think, you know. So, how about it? See what you can do." <laughs> And no agility training for you, uh, trialing for you, Fred. But uh, from the sound of things, you could have done a bit of trick trialing with uh, with yeah. your dog. Yeah. yeah, look, actually, I, um, I, I never, I've never uh, done any agility, but I, I, um, I was really impressed with it to watch it. The really good, especially the, the really top competitors. Um, there's. Uh, like it, it, it's just it, it's you when you talk about connection building and and if you watch a top agility dog like that connection and drive to want to please is something out of this world of how hard they hit the obstacles and and with how much energy it's um yeah I've sat and watched some top uh sort of um you know top level agility trials and I they blow my mind how how um that like how much the dogs want to please and how athletic they are. It's quite amazing, actually. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what other mm. disciplines of um, stock dog training or what, or what disciplines of stock dog training, I suppose, have you competed in and, and what do you prefer? Um, oh, look, what do I've you have done, a preference? Um, oh, look, I, I suppose I've, I've always – I've um, – I've done mostly yard dog trialing um, and enjoyed that a lot. Um, I've, 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 I've done, I've probably pretty much done the more. Um, I've done the three sheep yard dog um, utility cattle, uh, yeah, cattle dog trialing. Um, I think the I like the I like watching the ultimate test, and it's not practical to do it everywhere. But I think the one I probably do like the most, and I'm not, and I'm it's not one I've mastered would probably be the, uh, um, utility trialing. 
um, would be uh, the one I'd, I'd like the most where you've got the paddock obstacles and the yard work together. Um, I think that is the ultimate test of a dog, but it's not always practical to run them. Um, but yeah. It's also, you know, from a training time perspective, particularly mm. with, you know, like when we were really doing a lot of trialling, obviously for that, um, the paddock section sort of training, you know, you need more time firstly, but be and because our dogs at the time were quite intense and quite yeah. direct, quite a lot of training would have to go in the paddock to, to be yeah. competitive, you know, into utility. And so I think that's sort of what has been the, the biggest obstacle is time. Yeah. Um, getting the training time to be able to actually get them to where they need to be. Yeah. But, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, so definitely the uh, utility. But um, I really – there's a, quite a few similar things around now, but I really enjoyed the USD that Matt Sherwood run. Yeah, that's running again. Is Have it? I, told you that? Uh, I did see something, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, where you were – where it was a trial over all, all the disciplines, I thought that, that was a really good – really good test of a dog. Um, yeah, again, it's a lot to run one, but, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Are you gonna yeah. gonna make some time for it in the next coming years with um with it starting back up? I I'd love to have a go again. Um yeah, look I I mean maybe as the kids get a bit older and we might have a bit more time. Like I I mean I have started to try and sort out a bit of a training area. I haven't been back to it for a while. Um <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we will always endeavour to get going again and hopefully in time to come we'll 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 start to get a bit of a go at it. I think once the kids yeah. are a little bit less hands-on, it'll be easier. Yeah. You yeah. know, like at the moment, to try and get out training, I mean, even just with Fraser at one, you know, like he's either going to have to be strapped to my back or in the pram and then if he's got a, you know, if he's strapped to me, then I've got a limited uh, range of motion and a limited length of time that I can carry him before um, my body argues because I'm not a spring chicken. <laughs> And if he's in the pram, then you've got a limited amount of time before he cracks the shits and goes, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And, you know, and that's, that's, like, that's why I was saying earlier, you know, it needs to be quick and easy to be able to get out and train because particularly, you know, I mean, for anyone to get out there and, you know, you can get out there and do 10 minutes if it's just around there. But if it takes you half an hour to get the sheep in and get the dogs over to the yards and to do, you know, like it's just too hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with kids, it's just not even... Not even possible, I don't think. I mean, some people do it, but uh, they have more patience than I do. <laughs> drop, them, yeah. drop them in a puppy pen on the way over. Well, this is it. You know, I've got the patience for dogs or kids, but are not both together at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what what is it about trialling? Why do you like enjoy a trial? Um, uh yeah, that's a good question. Um, I I, lo uh, like I love I love I love the thriller competition. I do it. Um, yeah, I I you know putting a lot of effort into a dog that you really like, and um, spending that time in the training pen or out at work, and then getting the opportunity to showcase um, showcase his talent, whether he wins or or not. Um, I, I, it's yeah, the thriller competition's good. Um, camaraderie the people you get to trial with uh i think is um another you know you're you're, you're hanging around like-minded people um so 
yeah, that's that's good as well. Mm. Um, what else? Well, no, I think I mean, yeah, the, the competition and and you know the whole environment. I think, um, particularly you know here in in New South Wales, we really enjoy the the trial the people we're trialing with. Um, I think it's it's a good environment. I, I love that you know that there's a lot of trialing kids now and so the, you know yeah. the kids all get about together and um, particularly when you're not living close to family it's you know I mean we've been out of it for a bit but it, it kind of feels like that you know they've got cousins that aren't cousins kind of thing and you know they all look mm -hmm. after each other and I really like like that I mean that's not a dog aspect but I think that's a you know yeah when you're trying to go to trials with kids uh, having that nice environment and knowing that you know everyone's just got half an eye on on the kids too you know um that you know you're obviously watching your kids but if someone sees your three-year-old wandering away suddenly they're like hang on a second you know and they, they bring him back and uh, it just makes yeah. it possible for people to be able to trial um which you know so i think the environment um is important but you know just getting out there i certainly from my perspective when i you know i'm not out working the dogs during the week and I often don't even have time, you know, the, a lot of the time when I've been trialling Trig and Storm, the only time I actually get to do anything is when we're at a trial. But I kind of look at it, yeah, okay, they're not going to, you know, be at the top of the class and they're not going to be winning. But that's time that, you know, I'm spending that time with that dog and I, it, it allows me to dedicate that 10 minutes or that 15 minutes to them, which sometimes is really hard you know, when you've got screaming kids and, and that sort of thing. And that's what I like about it too, is you've got, that is my time with that dog and we're just going to see what we can do, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that um, there are so many, like you said, uh, my kids, they'll complain, oh, dog trial. And then on the way there, like, is this kid going to be there? Is that kid going to yeah. be there? And yeah. then, we, we've got to leave and they're throwing down because we're leaving. You go, wait a minute. Yeah. Like, yes, you're complaining we're going to another dog trial. Yeah, and then that's like, it. Can I go the home with such and such? Ever. You know, like, you're like yeah. oh, okay, until next week. And then the, that was the best weekend. So, uh, yeah. away just from the dogs. The, I'm glad you highlighted that, Catherine. That's yeah. a pretty important little aspect. Yeah, I think and it just makes it cool. easier knowing that the kids are going to have fun. And they're just yeah. being kids, you know, they come home and they're filthy. Absolutely yeah. filthy. And yeah. you're just kind of like, just... oh, it's just going to happen, you know. So yeah. just get dirty and whatever. We'll deal with it later. <laughs> yeah, and like-minded kids to the same degree that are yeah. happy to go out and do the same sort of thing. There's actually yeah. a comment here from Karen Higgins. Um, I... She says, um, that's so much something I love about the trials that so many are watching out for others' kids. And, and there's a lady who's got grown-up kids and, and a grandchild yeah. herself, right, and she's out there herself just admiring the way everyone's interacting with yeah, everyone's children. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I really like that. And, now, you know, we time permitting when we can get back into it more, I think that's going to be really, really good for the kids to be around that sort of thing and, you know, they're not – I mean, they spend a bit of time watching iPads pads at trials maybe, but most of the time they're running around and, you know, being rat bags and having fun with the other kids, and I think that's really good for them. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you want to grab that? Yeah, another yeah. question from Casey. She has asked, is there anything you'd like to see change in the yard dog trialling courses? Ooh. Um. 
you, I know what you used to say to that question. What did I used to say? You used to say, um, like, in particularly in New South Wales, the courses are very. I mean, they're they're obviously they're different, but they're very similar setup all the time. You know, whereas like in Victoria, if you go to Sheepvention at Hamilton, there's a curved race, and you know, it's all just a bit different. It's not. Um, you know, into the drench, out of the drench, into the draft, out of the draft, onto the, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's a, yep. um, and that, well, that was your, I'm not, I'm not taking flag for this. That was used to be your answer, Fred, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was that you'd like it to mix that up a little bit. Yeah, um, I suppose. I mean, it, it's a practicality. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot of it. Why? Um, yeah, look, um, look, I think, um, a, a, lo a lot of things that I used to think uh, have actually come in. I know um, there used to be no driving or controlled crossing a lot in dog trialling, yep. but in the last few years, or, well, I mean, the last couple of years I haven't been in it, but before we stopped, um, mm. I noticed that a, a lot more controlled crosses and driving were coming in. So, yeah, yep. there was a, a few more things like that and um and then uh there used to be sort of be no obstacles in courses like actual sort of paddocky type obstacles and i notice now too and bigger courses they'll sometimes have an obstacle um yeah so a lot of things that, and yeah I, and that's probably um people with similar sort of ideas to what i had i suppose that have brought it in um yeah but the, um that is mixing up but, the course too. yeah it's, it's you know, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of um, permanent yards, and so you, there's only there's not so much you can do with that. But by adding in, you know, an obstacle or something like that, it's a way of changing it up without having to change the yards. Well, yeah. I think this year, what are we? We're in April. I think three or four trials I've been to this year, they've had a touch. You know, they, yeah, they, that's a good one they, too. Yeah. A sheep around you and a touch, like I think that's fantastic. It is good, yeah, yeah. No. And, and you think some of that as well is because the, um, you know, there's there's no secret. You got to run a pretty high score to make a final these days, because um, there's a lot more um, oh, skilled handlers um, of a higher. Um, there might have been like a handful of really good handlers before, but over like the last say ten years, um, there's a lot more competition. So you've got to make it a bit harder to try and find points. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. And yeah, I think the more different things you can have like that, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it improves trialing for everyone, doesn't it? Like, um, you know, to be able to, to, um, um, to get obstacles, you may need to, you know, and, and at once upon a time you get away with the dog with a bit of natural distance. Um, and if you, you could rely on his natural ability to get you around the course, but by adding these extra things in now, you know, it's sort of, I mean, this is a probably a poor example, but, you know, it's sort of mandatory that you need a good reverse on your dog to be able to compete on that obstacle or a, um, yep. you, you know what I mean? You need to have those extra levers. Mm. And so by doing, to be at the top, to yeah. at the top um, you, um, so by adding those things in, it lifts the standard overall, doesn't it? Um, by, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Because I can sort of remember back to a time where not many people had a reverse on a dog, and now 
it seems that everybody has a reverse on their dog these days. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, yeah, so it's a standard lift, isn't it, really? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And do you guys have a favourite trial to participate in? Or one that or one that you even you haven't and you'd like to? My my probably favorite trial in Australia, I reckon, is Hamilton Sheep Mansion. It's a it's a mm -hmm. I like yeah, it's a great trial. It's a um it's a freezing cold. Yeah, it's a, it, you, yeah you'll freeze. <laughs> but um and you can't find anywhere to park. It's terrible. But um, or stay. Yeah, or stay. You have to probably book accommodation <laughs> yeah, now for twenty thirty three. Yeah, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a big paddock section. Um, it, 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 like a quite a big like. It, I mean, it's not huge, but for a yard trial, it's a big a big paddock area to cast into, and it's just one of those trials that you've like to go up the race. You're it's not a four shot. It's a square pen plonked on the end of the race, so you've really got to be able to to get the sheep to go up the race, you've got to be able to have good control both sides of your dog. Um, it, yeah, it's there's no given in any part of the course. If you can win Hamilton Sheep Venture, you know you've you've had that, you've had to um, master wow. master a lot of different angles to be able to get it to get it done. Um, yeah, a great trial, uh, Hamilton Sheep Venture. Yeah, I know, sounds like it. Yeah, very um. A very well run too. I, I'm not sure who's running it now, but um, Ian O'Connell. Oh, it, it wouldn't be just him, but um, yeah, he does. He does a great job of running it. Um, yeah, it was well run, well sponsored. Yeah, done very well. Yeah, Del Getty's a good one too. Yeah, Del Getty. I really like Del Getty. We haven't mm -hmm. been the last however many years, mm -hmm. and it's a bit tricky because it's on a Sunday, and getting kids to school on a Monday is a bit, bit hard mm -hmm. now, but. I just I love that you sit between the two rings so you can see what's going on. Good courses, tough sheep. Very tough sheep, yeah. Minara, um, great yes. location. Yes. I really, I really, really like Delgetti. Yeah. Good, well, always well run. Yeah. Really good trial. Yeah. If you haven't been to Delgetti, I recommend you go. It's a good one. There you go. <laughs> there you, you heard it there. Get it. Get to Delgetti. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> and how about nerves? Are you guys getting them and how are you handling them? Well, the better um, question is, do you reckon you're going to get nervous when you start trialling again? Oh, yeah. There you go. Mm. Yeah, I reckon I will. Um, definitely. Um, yeah, I, I, when I first started trialling, it suffered terribly with nerves. But as, as the story goes, the more you do it, the better you get. But um, still, especially in the big ones, when I was trialling a lot, like the Australians and state championships, yeah, I can remember trying to blow blow on the whistle or try to whistle and I'm shaking that much. I can't <laughs> <laughs> get it to work properly. <laughs> yeah. Good to go back to a referee's football yeah, whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably Blow have less because I don't do any work, so mm -hmm. I can't have high expectations mm -hmm. if I haven't done any training. Yeah. And and actually, when I ran um, at Yas the the other week, you know, I ran Asher and Sophia, and as I was going in with Asher, Bill um, Luff was the judge, and he's like, "You feeling confident, Catherine?" I said, "Oh no, Jan, Bill." And he's like, "Oh, you should be confident." I'm like, "Mate, I haven't run this dog since Addie was a baby, and she's nearly five, and <laughs> you know, we're just going in for a bit of fun, you know. And it's actually it's it's nice to run a dog with no expectations, you know. It's just quite relaxing <laughs> to just go in there and go, let's see if you'll work for me, and can we do it? And you know, um, but yeah, I don't know if I ever train a, a dog, 
I'm, no, when I train a dog again and get back into it, mate, I'll That's probably better. start at this again. Yeah. <laughs> it'll happen. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll happen at some point. <laughs> and having done your schools and run your schools and have people that, you know, thinking about trialing but then haven't taken it up for whatever reason, um, what advice could, would you give to those those people? Some of them thinks that they think, oh, you know, I'd like to have a go, but I just don't know. And if my dog's not, and you always hear, oh, my dog's not good enough, or you know, they, they're kind of just second guessing themselves. I said, give it a go. Uh, well, I'd say if you're nervous, go and go and come up and start talking to people who are doing it. I think, um, yeah, go and you know, go up to where the scoreboard is, where all the competitors are, and strike up a conversation and. Maybe let, let someone know what you, you'd be heart, interested in. They're a pretty nice bunch of people. I mean, some, you, you know, if you um, if you don't even start trialling straight away, somebody will generally say, well, you can come out to my place and we'll have a bit of a play around and at least get you started that way, you know. I, I think, yeah, come and, come and have a chat, I think. It's probably the yeah. Best, yeah. best. Yeah. There's always someone who will talk you yeah. around the course with someone. To, yeah, someone will know. talk you around. Um, yeah. Everyone's there because they like dogs, all right, and and most well, most people like people, um, and, and a good yarn. So you no, always uh, if if it's the worst thing is you might actually leave with a mate. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And people like talking about their own dogs. So you know, if you're nervous about approaching someone, talk to them about the dog that's on the end of the lead that they're holding onto, yeah. and start it that way. Yeah. Definitely, I love that. That's such yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Um, what about and if you're not sure what to say? Pat the dog while you <laughs> ask first. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> and and what about your position with Romani and everything, Fred? Is there any advice for someone wanting to, you know, get a career in, in the ag industry? Any advice? Um, look, uh, um. The agriculture industry in the um, uh, in the you know in the last sort of was it would it be ten years or five years is actually um, the landscape. Well, even within the last ten years, the landscape of um, working on the lands um, has changed quite a bit. You know, it's it's a um, it's a lot more scientific. Um, it's a lot. Uh, there's a lot more opportunity now. Um, it's more lucrative now than it ever has been before. Um, uh, advice. Um, research your potential yeah, employer. Yeah, research your potential <laughs> employer. Um, there's opportunities um, for advancement for younger people with uh, with a bit of education and a bit of go, um, and 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 a, you know a lucrative. Um, a lucrative, uh, fulfilling career, I think. Yeah, like I, I know um, in the past, uh, uh, jobs on the land were sort of considered, um, you know, a, 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 a lower, a, sort of a lower form of the, a lower form job, a more labourer type job where it's actually not like that now. It's, it's these are all farm businesses that are run, run to make, um, run to be profitable and you know and use best practice and animal welfare it's, it's all very scientific there's a 
it's very interesting and there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of opportunity. So, um, yeah. yeah in, in your new role, Fred, have you, are you involved in the hiring process now? Yes. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you look for in your candidates? <laughs> um, oh, look, uh, um, oh, work, work, initiative, work ethic, uh, attention to detail, um, is a big one for me. Uh, I really do like attention to detail. Um, yeah. Um, and being willing to ask questions. Yeah. When you're not, when you, if you're not sure. Yeah. Um, being, I think, uh, and another big one too is, um, uh, communication. You got to, I, I like this, I like to see if I can pick someone who's a good communicator, um, especially, you know, with staff. Uh, I think, Communication is one of the biggest problems uh, that can, yeah. that can, that can, um, yeah, if it's not right, uh, it can cause a lot of problems. Um, yeah, I hope that was helpful. <laughs> no, no, it is, mate, it is. Yeah. Anyone out there, I, I think you gave a bit of a scope of what a potential employer is looking for and um, mm. better yourself to be able to be a valid candidate in the process. And, and while we're talking about talking, mate, is there anyone that you'd like us to see have a chat, sit down, and have a chat with on Dog Talk? Yeah, I, I've got one. Communicating. Oh yeah. yeah. Has he done that? I, I don't know if you've had him. I don't think you have. Um, I he'll uh, he'll be probably um, mortified <laughs> that I've mentioned his name, but uh, 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 Andrew King, I think would be ah, awesome. I, Yeah, I have spoken to Andrew King about it, and we are just trying to tee up a time. Um, yeah. So watch this space. It's going to be sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think uh, Andrew will be a great guy to talk to as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, he's on. He's on the radar. Yeah. <laughs> nah, thank you, mate. It has come to that uh, time tonight, and there we apologise. There were a few questions that came up tonight, but we'd already spoken about those topics and or touched on them, um, and some of our um, answers. Uh, were answered in great detail, so they already uh, were spoken about. But was there a question tonight that stood out for you guys? And they'll win a bag of enduro high energy food for working dogs with real kangaroo meat. Uh, I don't know. We can't see the questions. I know one that. Well, I think there was one there. That um, got him thinking a bit, but I'll wait to see if he mentions it. Yeah. What was it? What question? You pick, you can pick it. Uh, well, I, I, I have a terrible, terrible memory. I have to write everything down. <laughs> um, there, there was a particular question that got you talking about a dog that you used to own and moved on. Oh, yeah. Oh, Ka- yeah, Casey asked about smudge. Yeah. Um, she, she did, and that that brought back some good memories for you. And you started going for a few different dogs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of dogs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that was that was a good question. Um, it was. It was. Yeah. Uh, Casey, if you want to send us your details or get in contact with us, uh, there's a bag of enduro coming your way. And um, Catherine and Fred, there's also a bag. Thanks again on tonight. There's a bag of enduro coming your way as well. Oh, nice. Cool. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah. Right. You're more than welcome. Thank you. One last question, though. 
I'm not going to get away <laughs> with it that easy. Would you guys rather fight one duck the size of a horse or 20 horses the size of ducks? One duck the size of a horse. I think... I think 20 horses the size of a duck. What do you think? Or one duck the size of a horse? I, I, I was... um. I was informed that we'd get asked this question and, <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and, uh, and, 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 uh, I was told about some, um, very good answers. So we can't copy any of those. Oh. So, <laughs> we so yeah, um, we'll have to take on the 20 horses, the size of a duck, I think. But, um, well, you got, think, it sounds like you got the pack to help you back you up there as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for your time tonight. We really appreciate you jumping on, especially with young Fraser uh, right in sitting in your lap there. Um, <laughs> we heard him start to get a bit restless there. Um, yes. So really appreciate you guys giving us, um, putting some time aside for us. No worries at all. Yeah, Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you for having us. No, you're more than welcome. And to everyone that logged on tonight and everyone listening back, thank you very much. And please remember we learn every day and the day we stop learning will be a sad one for all of us. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Cheers.